If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. Uh, wines, I find them extremely helpful in, ha- in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. And go in the air, deep right center go. field. Two run, home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go out. Chuck Nasty. Two run, home run, David Dahl. Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in to the DNBR Rockies podcast presented by the green salute visit any one of their 17 colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at mygreensolution.com reserve products online and pick up at your local tgs express checkout you'll be in and out in minutes use code dnvr20 for 20 percent off your entire purchase now let's jump into the show I am your host, Drew Creaseman, the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on, on this episode of the podcast, we're doing a live Q&A on the Periscope with a lot of people coming in to talk about all things Rockies baseball, or maybe not so much Rockies baseball, things around it. Uh, I'm sure we'll be doing that. But our first question comes in from Blakey Wheels, who wants to know, have I officially become an Avs fan? And yes, I would like to, at this moment in time, declare myself the captain of Colorado Avalanche bandwagon fans, and and very specifically the the bandwagon fans who know nothing about hockey. This has been an extraordinary journey for me, to be quite honest with you. I've said many times in the past that I wanted to get into watching hockey, and I just have never really done it. As a kid, I did when the Avs were good, and Patrick Waugh, was the goalie and Stanley Cups and all that stuff. I got into it, but I didn't understand it. I rooted for our guys to win. They won. I was elated. That was the depth of my hockey fandom. I I never loved the game the way I did baseball that I always played growing up. Uh, But just kind of declaring that I'd like to do this, um, I, I threw the game on the other day just for the third period and it was very exciting and and 
AJ Hafley has really sold me on the quality of this team and the way they're built and what they're about. So yeah, I, I'm becoming an Avs fan and I'm having a lot of fun with it. I've been very taken with the way the community has embraced me knowing nothing about their sport, but wanting to jump in and learn some things. And it's going to be fun to be a fan of something again and to just be able to root and really not know or have expectations. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward uh, to doing more of this being an Avs fan thing. It's been fun. So thank you uh, for asking about that. But of course, uh, I will remain here talking Rockies throughout the entire offseason. It's always going to be my my bread and butter. I'm, I'm never going to abandon the game of baseball. Not possible. I could not do such a thing. It will always be my, my first love for sure. But this hockey thing has been fun. And I'm going to try to do a little bit more NBA this year as well. Uh, obviously, with the Nuggets looking like they're going to be a pretty good basketball team, that should be a lot of fun to get into. But I did want to talk about a, a couple of other things that I was sort of thinking about after our last conversation. And uh, again, hopefully people will keep bringing in the questions here, whether they be directly baseball related or not. Um, and Blakey wants me to know that McKinnon and McCarr are really good. And that's all I need to know right now. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm trying to pick a favorite player and I don't want it to be one of the top three. So Landeskong, McKinnon, and uh, Miko Rantanen are out. Uh, can't be my favorite player. I got to be more, you know, unique than that. I need to find the Rymel Tapia of uh, the Avs. And a lot of people have been really cool about, like, giving me cross-sport comparisons. And this guy is, uh, like, Helton. And this guy is, like, you say, JT Comfer is, is my Rymel Tapia. Um, some people were saying uh, uh, Jost I should be a big fan of. I, I'm, I'm loving all So far, I'm just enjoying getting to learn all of this stuff. It's It's been very, very fun. Uh, I want to share a couple of thoughts on some of the games so far. I think it's been a really good postseason. I haven't talked about it much because I know you guys are Rockies fans and you don't necessarily want me to talk about the Nats and the Cardinals and the Dodgers and, and uh, you know, the, the, I guess the American League, <laughs> yeah, the, the Rays and the Astros. And that was a really good series, I thought. But we've had a really good postseason so far and I think it's been good for the game of baseball there have been some umpire things that I talked about in the last episode I recorded that I wish were a little bit cleaner but very very good games and and I think again showing you that that pitching starting pitching especially is the key both to the regular season and to the postseason it's the teams who are getting the best starting pitching performances obviously Garrett Cole has emerged as just this beast mode thing. And, and I wanted to draw people's attention to one element of this. I, I sort of walked around there to, to get to this part. And excuse me while I still try to kick this little bit of the cold that I've got left. <coughs> uh, it's been keeping me out for a week. I've, I've been on the IL with stupid cold. But notice how many times Garrett Cole throws back a baseball he doesn't want. One of the calling cards of this season and the juiced ball conversation, which, by the way, I am now convinced is real, real, real. And, of course, Mile High Fever would like for the Rockies to sign Garrett Cole. And let me start by saying this. They will not. Uh, he will not sign in Denver. 
Uh, and also he's going to get paid $30 million a year and up uh, from here on out. And it's not a good idea for the Rockies to pour that amount of money into any starting pitcher, in my view. That said, obviously, if he was on the Rockies, that would be super neat. I've always liked Garrett Cole. Going back to his Pittsburgh days, even at times when in Pittsburgh he wasn't living up to the expectations or the stuff, you always dream on Garrett Cole. He's really just a phenomenal mix of pitches. And, and you're seeing him reach the apex of his physicality, matching up with his mentality, and him being on a team that has a very legitimate chance to win it all, whereas in Pittsburgh, only a couple times, you know, were they really in it. But the juiced balls are real. And there are theories out there that they are not present in these postseason games or they're not consistent. One of the things that I've talked to people about this all year that has been at issue is the consistency of the baseballs. And we have seen more like it, guys warming up and throwing the ball to the backstop in warmups than I've ever seen before in my life. And I've noticed something, and it was tweeted out by the Pitching Ninja. I hope most of you follow Pitching Ninja on Twitter. And our good friend who had been on this podcast, Morris, talking about juiced baseballs at Juiced Ball Expo 1. And there are some compelling points of data suggesting that maybe there's a different ball for the postseason or that there are some more that have higher laces as opposed to lower laces on them. And there are, there's just video evidence of Garrett Cole grabbing a baseball, getting one back from the catcher, the umpire, whoever, and him going, nope, not that one. And just chucking it saying, I need a different baseball. I, I'm not going to throw that thing. And that I think is going to be something we're going to see more and more if Major League Baseball doesn't do something about this issue going into next season is pitchers throwing them back and saying, I, I, I can't get a good grip on this thing. I'm going to miss my location. And then because they're a little more aerodynamic, it's going to go a very, very, very long way. And it's a tacit admission about what's going on out there. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Garrett Cole's been one of the more willing guys to just not accept whatever ball he's given back. And, to you know, some guys don't want to look like they're making excuses. Cole, he, he wants to throw the best pitch and that's it. And you can't do it with some of the slickness and the low laces on some of these baseballs. So keep your eyes on that as you're, as you're watching this postseason. pitchers asking for a new ball, um, it's a real thing, uh, but also keep your eye on some of the stat cast data. There are balls not traveling as far that are at least according to stat cast being hit just as hard, if not harder and at a similar launch angle and in similar weather, but the ball is traveling sometimes 20 to 30 feet less in some cases. And I don't know which way I would come down on whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that baseball would maybe have for the postseason brought a ball that's a little less juiced, a little less problematic than the ball that was being used during the regular season. I suppose it's it would be good to see that if that was some kind of proactive move toward 
a, a solution, but it can't be that, oh, well, let's let it be crazy ball during the regular season, but now have it be serious during the post. That can't be the standard. The, they, the regular season needs fixing too. And hopefully this is just the start of that. Um, and that's my hope. That, that it's just the beginning of there, there being a real solution to the juiced baseball problem. Because I, I, I don't like it. I, I, I'm not anti-home run by any means. I dig the long ball. I like seeing those battles. I'm all for the big home runs. But I don't want to see defense and base running go away. I, I, I think those things are compelling too. I like to see the ball put in play. Uh, and... It would be a bummer if the thing that made the final incentive took taken away from being a contact hitter would be that the baseball flies farther. Like if it's just you, you can only do so much about trends in the game and launch angle and guys trying to hit home runs. Fair enough. But let's not artificially ingest extra well, well juice into the game of of baseball. I, I I think they that something still needs to be done about the balls. I'm really curious if there's anybody out there who's attended a postseason game or is going to attend a postseason game or knows somebody who is attending a postseason game or intends to attend. Intends to attend. Easy for me to say. A postseason game. Let me know. If you can go get a ball, go early, go to batting practice uh, and, and get a baseball, because I would very much be interested in a cross comparison of the two, I uh, of, of, of the regular season ball and the postseason ball. And it's also interesting to me that there isn't a bit more conversation around this topic. I've made the point before, but in the NBA, when they changed the ball, it was all anybody was talking about and there seems to be a, a willingness from some of the bigger national media outlets and any of the broadcasters to talk about it and i don't know maybe they've been asked not to which wouldn't be a good look either but this isn't something that's just going to be able to be swept under the rug whether major league baseball wants that or not we're going to need to have a very earnest conversation about the strike zone very very soon and perhaps we can all do that in a friendly manner over a six-pack of Breckenridge Brew. Whether you're having the Avalanche Amber, the Vanilla Porter, these Colorado Coors that are now my go-to fall drinking beer, you can't go wrong with the damn good beer that you get from our good partners over at Breckenridge, the official beer of DNVR. Why don't I send it to a quick commercial break, come back on the other side, keep answering some questions. You guys know how supporting local business is in our blood, so we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. An ISO-certified company that will work with you from design to final product, 
that is both cost-effective and will meet your requirements. If you're in need of custom design, material for your project, or have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. You can call them today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr and tell them who sent you. Welcome back into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by The Green Solution. There's one other postseason thing I wanted to mention. Hopefully we'll still get some more questions here on the Periscope. That is, if it doesn't continue to crash on me, technology, hooray. Um, but that is, of course, the team that is no longer in the postseason, the Los Angeles Dogeres uh, had a a very unceremonious exit to their season. And uh, I know there are a lot of Rockies fans that really enjoyed the way that that went down. There's a lot of adding to the narrative that Clayton Kershaw can't get it done in the postseason. That was a poor performance from him. And I made my uh, opinions about that clear on Twitter. I said a thing like, I don't feel bad for... Clayton Kershaw, and, and it's largely because he's got a lot of positive attention. He gets paid very well. He gets to play on a team that's very well-backed in terms of their resources. He's gotten to play in the World Series several times and has a bunch of division championships, and he lost a baseball game. It's tough. It's rough, but no, there are a lot of people in the world of baseball who have it a lot worse off than Clayton Kershaw, and it's not like he's just fell in fallen victim to poor circumstances, he has not performed at that level. It followed Peyton Manning for years and years and years until he won. It followed A-Rod for years and years and years. And I, I think to some degree it's fair, but it's not like, oh man, woe is Clayton Kershaw. It's so unfair that everyone always screws this up for him. Like if we're going to have harsh words for the guys who don't perform, but aren't as famous or as popular or even as good as Clayton Kershaw, then it's only fair that we have those same criticisms of the guys when they don't perform, even if they are Clayton Kershaw. He's still the best pitcher of a generation, and I have no problem saying that, but I'm not going to feel bad for the guy. And it is kind of funny to see that the Dodgers could win 106 games and then only play five games in the postseason and be you know sent on their way by the, a Nationals team that I don't think anybody saw taking them out. But that's just a, another reminder of the sort of fierce nature of this game, the brutal nature of the game. And as we had talked about with our friend Jake Story when he came on the podcast, the Dodgers hadn't really been playing for much over the last several weeks. And it looks like they just didn't have the edge. So... Sometimes building a team that'll win the World Series isn't just about acquiring all the talent. There's a lot of things that have to go your way, even when you're as good as the Dodgers, who are probably the most talented team in baseball. But they're at home on the couch watching the rest of these postseason games, just like the rest of us. All right. KK421 something <laughs> wants to know uh, who is going to be the Daniel Murphy big signing this year? That's a good question because I, I think that is exactly the kind of thing you're not going to see, you know, the great big deal. They've said, we're not going to make a big splash. 
Could, could it be a Daniel Murphy type? My my hope has always been Tanner Roark, and I still think that that's the right direction to go. If you can get him for that type of money, the $10 million or or thereabouts, if you got to go up to twelve, I would hope they could do that. Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe even that would be too much for the budget, and you'd have to look for something even a little bit cheaper than that. But that's the guy I've had my eyes on. Jake Odorizzi might be somewhere in that category. Um, I think Marcelo Zuna is going to be much more expensive than that. He doesn't fit into that category. I I like, uh, you know, looking at him. I've seen a couple people bringing up um, Jackie Bradley Jr., uh, the Red Sox, that they might shop him and I think that could be a really interesting case. I don't think the Rockies necessarily need to go shopping for outfielders. I, I honestly think that they can do pretty well in their outfield as it is. It's one of the areas where they do have depth. That said, I do think that they can get better out there defensively. So if they could find somebody who's just an absolutely stellar defensive center fielder, then I think that that could be really good for them as well. You know, could they swing a trade for a Kevin Pillar or a Jackie Bradley Jr.? But I don't think that should be a priority. I think that that it's really got to be in the pitching category. And if it's not a guy like Roark or Oda Rizzi, um, I'd be looking to the bullpen and I'd have to look at a few more names. Uh, it'll be interesting to see like who sets the bullpen market. Andrew Miller's the biggest name free agent He's got an excellent resume, but did not finish his season well, is getting older. We know about the volatility of bullpens, so they could find some guys. Um, Alex Colome is a guy I know has been out there. Um, that could be their sort of big fish get of the offseason would be a bullpen guy. But I think it almost has to be a pitcher. Um, Jakey Dude wants to know, will the Rockies use more of their younger guys in 2020? Yes, I believe they will. I uh, actually, the last podcast was a lot more about that. So without rehashing too much, I'll reference you uh, to that last podcast. But I, I very, very much believe that they're going to be relying particularly on guys like Ryan McMahon, Rymel Tapia, and Garrett Hampson a lot more than they have in the past. Oh, here's an interesting question from Caleb wants to know, will cargo ever be brought back? I doubt it. And again, a lot of that is circumstantial. The Rockies just have too many guys who are either good outfielders or good players who can play the outfield, uh, Garrett Hampson being that guy. And so, you know, Sam Hilliard bringing him, himself into the picture, I think really makes it tough to see a scenario under which it would make sense for the Rockies to sign any veteran outfielder. As much as we all love Cargo, and as much as I think some of his presence was absolutely lost this year, I don't know that there's really a way to bring him back uh, that makes sense. At NK Kraus uh, says, Nick Groke had the article about players on the hot seat. Who is on the hot seat in your players on the hot seat? That's interesting. Usually we talk about managers and GMs in terms of the hot seat because you can't just fire players, right? You have to buy them out of their contracts. There are the guys we talked about in the, the podcast I did earlier today who are the names everybody knows, the problematic contracts. They're all on the hot seat to be either traded or outright cut. Uh, Desmond's a little bit more difficult, but definitely Murphy, McGee, Shaw, and Davis. Um, and, and then I, you know, 
beyond that, I, I don't think that there's anybody who's in real danger of losing their job. Honestly, other than those five guys, the Rockies have a roster full of dudes on the upward trend. So back to the, the question before, they just have to play them less. Um, but, oh, no problem, Jake. First-time listener, fantastic. We appreciate you joining. Um, I've got no problem re-answering questions, by the way, so don't, you don't ever have to apologize for that stuff. Uh, keep bringing them. But, yeah, I, I think there's a really good chance because of this, because of the way that it sets up, that they're just going to have to hand the reins to the young guys one way or the other. And some of these problematic contracts are just going to be gone. They're just not going to be there anymore. And the Rockies aren't going to get out from underneath them. They're going to have to pay them to go away, but the roster spots will be available. Um, so Tayshawn wants to know, is 2020 going to be a repeat of the 2019 season in terms of win-loss, or will we do better? Uh, also, my question is in reference to uh, Breidich saying we don't have much flexibility this offseason. Yeah, no, I, I think the roster is going to look very similar, but now, okay, we can take all of this with a grain of salt. I thought they were going to be better in 2019, and I think that the underlying talent that had me believing that is mostly still there. I think, and, and I've said this on various forms of, of media and articles and on DNVR and in the podcast before, but what I think is the biggest key to the Rockies being better in 2020 than they were in 2019 is a good Kyle Freeland. 